1: This talk is called, What is God Like? I'd like to frame my talk, and then I'd like to pray and ask the Holy Spirit to speak to us today. And then we're going to get into it. The, the uh, first thing I want to do is I want to take a look at some hard passages of Scripture. I think we have a propensity to ignore hard passages of scripture, particularly my generation. My generation shies away from anything in the Bible that is remotely weird or challenging at times, right? And so what I want to do is I want to, like, look at the darkness of the Bible for a moment today. Um, Number one. Number two, I, I think that sometimes we're afraid of tensions. We don't know what to do with tension in scripture where God... You know, could be both holy and love, which is kind of what we're going to talk about today. What is God like? Um, and we have a lot of spiritually immature people, particularly in my generation, because we throw out tension. And we sort of tear out passages of scripture from our Bibles that disagree with our very narrow theology. And and spiritually mature people are people that are able to understand the tensions in scripture uh, and not reject things in scripture that might challenge them or seem difficult um, you know difficult to understand i mean peter literally said that paul's writings were difficult to understand you know but he didn't discredit them he just said they're challenging to understand and so you're gonna you know being a christian isn't gonna be easy you're gonna have to learn a little it's gonna be challenging right uh, one of my my professors in school uh, in, in Bible college used to t- say all the time, "Truth is intention. all truth is intention and he used the illustration of like a pup tent and you have ropes pulling on this side, and then you have ropes pulling on this side, but those that tension keeps the tent up okay and so a holistic biblical theology is a theology like that you, that you know, when bad things happen in your life, you're not shocked because you have a theology of suffering. You know what I mean? Like, instead of this, you know, oh, you know, life is just a fairy tale. Yeah, well, Jesus said that, you, you know, uh, in this world you will have trouble. That's a promise that you can claim. You know, you know what I'm saying? And so if you have a holistic theology that way, then you're not going to be shocked when that promise from Jesus shows up. You know, In the form of a job loss Or an illness or a death You know, you hear me So God wants us to be prepared And to, to understand And not to walk through life Just kind of like not knowing him accurately and Not understanding life um, And it's, it's, there's some sort of paradoxical nature In tension as well Where, you know, as a child I knew that my dad was loving And also I was afraid of him I was able to, to reconcile that tension. You know what I'm saying? If I, you know, I knew my dad loved me, and I better not put my feet on the couch in front of him. You know what I'm saying? But all of a sudden, you're 21, and you can't reconcile the difference in God? You know what I mean? That God is loving, but don't put your feet on the couch in front of him? Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> no, my generation has this idea that God is a desperate boyfriend. Right? That God is Enrique Iglesias. You can run, you can hide, you but you cannot escape my love. You know and I mean God's like this stalker. You know? No, God is not a desperate boyfriend, and you're not cute. You're a sinner. You're kinda gross. And he loves you in spite of that. You know what I'm saying? You're, you're far worse than you think you are, and you're more loved than you'll ever know. And that's a tension. right? That's a wonderful tension of Christianity that should cause some spiritual maturity. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, help me. And Holy Spirit, I'm thankful that you're here. And Holy Spirit, I ask you that you would speak through these scriptures that we read, you inspired the scriptures. All scripture is God-breathed. And Holy Spirit, I ask you that as we read these passages of scripture, you would do the work that only you can do because we're just reading your words. We're thankful for that. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay. Can we just pray one more time? I want to pray for the church in Afghanistan. Is that okay? It's just on my heart, really quickly. Father, we lift up Christians in Afghanistan to you right now. I'm asking you, God, that you would intervene. God, that you would protect them. Lord, that you would lead them and guide them and give them strategy. And Lord, that you would even protect them from people that want to hurt them, God, and do them harm. Father, would you send your angels and give them charge over them? In Jesus' name, we lift them up to you. Amen. Okay, I'm glad we did that. Okay, John 4. John 4, 24. John 4, 24. This is Jesus talking. And he says this, God is spirit, and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. What Jesus means by God is spirit is not that God is a disembodied ghost. That's not, what you know, that God is somehow uh, a bodiless wraith, and he's he's just... You know, he like, God is uh a vibe. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, just vibes. I'm sending vibes to you. Yeah, vibes don't help anybody. You know what I'm saying? God is a person, he has a mind, he has a will, he has a character. You hearing me? You know, um, God is not a a, a cosmic force, um, but God exists outside of what we know. God is spirit, and that's what Jesus means by God is spirit. As human beings we're having this experience in time space and matter time space and matter Um, in quantum physics time space and matter they all exist together they can't exist without each other so for example like Stephen Hawking uh, who was a brilliant uh, astrophysicist etc he was trying to locate the point where time space and matter like began to exist because the universe is expanding and so they're saying if the universe is expanding then obviously it had a point of origin Um, and so that point of origin is what they call the the big bang It's what scientists call the big bang right and so the idea is simply whatever created time space and matter must exist outside of time space and matter you hearing me so as christians it's not a whatever it's a whoever right so we know obviously we call god the big banger <laughs> do you know what i'm saying he's the one that got this party started god exists outside of time space and matter right and so when jesus says god is spirit um, this is what he's trying to get after he's trying to look god is outside of this experience dude in fact, God is embodied, right? Like we see in the book of Revelation, where we see God has a physical, but whatever his phys- physicality is, uh, it is something much weightier than whatever you and I are experiencing right now. Okay? Um, God is spirit. And he's, he's, to use Wayne Grudem's words, a theologian, he is qualitatively other. He's qualitative, he's just something else, man. Now, God has put some of his qualitative other inside of you. It's called your human spirit, right? You've got eternity in your heart. The spirit is eternal. God has created that. And that is the part that God speaks to. And that's the part that recognizes his working deep, calls unto deep. You hearing me, right? Like spirit to spirit. And so that's what we mean by spiritual experiences, that somehow the eternal in us is connecting to the eternal in him. Right, the impossible in him is connecting to the impossible in us. Okay, um, and Jesus is going. That's great. That's awesome. But Father is looking for somebody who will worship Him in spirit, yeah, and in truth. And what Jesus means by that is, God wants to be known accurately, and He wants to be worshipped accurately. He's given you a mind. He wants you to worship Him with His mind. And to know him accurately. To not think that you are in charge of everything. And everything is on your terms. But God is right. God obviously communicates to our minds and to our beings. And he goes this is who I am. And, and he cr- communicates concepts like his holiness. And his love and his justice and his mercy. So that we can know what he is like. So that we can worship him accurately. Now I will never be able to know God exhaustively. Never right? Like, like there's just things about God that we're never going to know ever. Like when we get to heaven, we're not going to look up at him. Oh, I get it. You know what I mean? Like totally makes sense now. Yeah, totally. Like you were never born. You just have always been. Yeah, I get that. You know what I mean? No, that's going to blow your mind for eternity and it will be cause for, for his glory and his praise eternally. Right? He's just like, Whoa, who is this guy? Right? I can't know him exhaustively, but I can know him accurately. I can know him accurately because of his words, his scriptures. So God is, go- see, the, the Bible is God's self-definition. It's his self-revelation. It's God going, look, I want, to, I want you to worship me, and I want you to know me, but I need you to know me accurately, the way that I am. Not in your projection of me. Not in your manipulative illusion of me, where you're recreating yourself, essentially. I'm not you, I'm me. <laughs> right? That's why there's verses in the Bible like, uh, His ways are a little higher. <laughs> his thoughts are not your thoughts. You know, it's, it's, it's obviously, it's ob- it should be obvious, but it needs to be said by the prophets to create some self-conscious. My, okay, so, hi, I'm God. Right, yeah, so my thoughts aren't your thoughts. Yeah. Uh, you the <laughs> No, they're not. I think other ones. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I am a person, and I have, thought, I have preferences, and I have thoughts that are not yours. Let's keep moving. Revelation 4.8. And, and here I want to paint a, a picture of what God is like. Revelation 4.8. Um, and the four living creatures, each of them with six wings, are full of eyes all around and within. Okay? They're weird-looking guys. And day and night, they never cease to say it. So they fly around God's throne with their wings their eyes are just Googling God, like a tree full of owls. And and day and night, and right now, right now in heaven, they are doing this. They're circling his throne, and they're saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. So when they're picking a word, a descriptor, to call God and and to describe him accurately, they choose the word holy. Right? Not love, love, love love that's the fab four the beatles it's a different song this is the another fab four the the four living creatures right now in the bible over 400 times from the book of genesis to the book of revelation god is called holy okay in one passage in the new testament he's called love twice in my generation you'd think it would be the opposite because that's what the theology feels like is that God is this desperate boyfriend who's just pillows and and flowers and chocolates and just obsessed with you because you're cute and it's, I call it uh, Christian Buddhism It's, it's spirituality, it's I'm on a journey and I'm just, and it's spirituality on my terms Right, and you kind of get to create whatever that means to you, you know. Like, and I could never serve a God who is like this, right? Well, God's not like you; doesn't think like you. So you can either have a relationship with Him that's accurate, which is what the Father's looking for, or don't. But Christian Buddhism is not Christianity. You hearing me? Okay, God is holy. His holiness has to do with his absolute moral perfection he is perfectly good and he will never compromise he is so committed to his holiness that he will not compromise it and that's good for you and I in fact God's love flows from his holiness his, his love is a holy love because he is morally perfect he loves us but he cannot be near sin And so the story of the Old Testament and the New Testament is a God who is perfectly holy that keeps on getting close to us, initiating relationship with us. Adam, Eve, where are you at? We're naked. Oh, how did that happen? Uh, We sinned. You idiots. All right, I'm going to cover you. I'm going to cover you. We're going to still have relationship. Let me cover you. You hear me? And he just keeps on getting close. Israel, I'm calling you out of Egypt. I want to be your God and I'm going to be, bless you. And I want to be close to you. I want to travel with you. I want to open rivers for you and, and provide for you. And be, but hey, and I want to get close to you, but oh, not that close. I'm holy. You hear me? And then ultimately, the cross. Next, next verse though, we already said this, First John 4, 8. You know, anyone who does not love God does not know God because God is love. In 1 John 4, we see that God is love twice there. And it's true, God is love. God so loved the big bad world that he sent his only son, right? We know that God is love. I love psychometrics, obsessed with them. Um, I love the Enneagram, okay? My brother believes that the Enneagram is demonic, but I like it. My wife is obsessed with the Enneagram. She's always just like, oh, you're doing that because you're a three-wing four, you know, like... Um, you ever, you know, know people who like call people, what's your number? You know, it's like, um, I like that stuff. I like Myers-Briggs personality assessments. Anybody ever done that? You know, I'm an ENTJ. Uh, I like strength finders. That stuff is cool. Um, I like the, you know, those quizzes on Facebook, like which Disney princess are you? (laughs) You know, which star Wars character are you? You know, I love that stuff. But, and I, and, and, you know, there's there's an element of truth to it, right? Like there are five stages of childhood wounding and your ego is just the way that your personality is trying to protect you as you go about in human relationships. And we all have propensities and proclivities, you know, towards certain types of behavior because of our various wounding. And so we're just trying to navigate this world and it's scary. And and so we protect ourselves this way, et cetera. I get that. Okay. And your personality is the manifestation of all that. That's fantastic. Uh, but it's not the truth about you. It's not really the truth. The truth about you is that you are your passions. The Latin word passion means to suffer. You are what you're willing to suffer for. That's who you are. You know, what are you willing to suffer for? That's, that's what you love. That's who you are. You know, Buffalo Bills fan willing to suffer. I'm a Toronto Maple Leafs fan, right? We haven't won in like 70, 80 years or whatever. You know, like that's who I am, you know. When I look when I look at the cross, that is what God is like. It's it's because I can see his suffering there. It is God suffering. And what is he suffering for? He's suffering for his holiness and he's suffering for his love. God, what do you like? I'm like this. I'm holy and I'm loving. And I will not compromise on my holiness. And so I will receive my own wrath and deal with my wrath and deal with sin because I want to be close to you but I can't be close to somebody who's unholy. So I'm going to make you holy by suffering. Isn't that cool? And I'm doing this because I love you so much and I want to be close to you. Isn't that so cool? God is love. God is holy. God has a holy love. And that's what God is like. Now, the danger of not knowing what God is like is not that you just don't have a deep spirituality. That's not what we're risking. Okay, My thesis today is that there's actually a lot more at stake. I think that it is profoundly unhealthy to worship God in a way that a christian buddhist would worship god it's better to just not worship god it's safer to do that than to be lukewarm it's way safer and that's what I'd, I'd like to show you today my uh my niece her name is georgie she's 3 uh she has an older sister named frankie frankie Should we call her frankie cuz her name's francesca but we call her frankie cuz she's naughty um she um francesca's like for a nice person you know frankie's like she's mental she looks like she was born in the panhandle she looks like like the daughter of joe dirt if you ever seen the movie she's got like a long mullet at the back and like her hair won't grow in the front yet It's it's hilarious and she's kind of aggressive she's a bit of a bully she's always wearing spandex so she can get into a fight you know like um she's just she's a tomboy she's awesome and I watched Jurassic Park, like all the Jurassic Parks together and like when people are getting eaten she's like yeah you know I'm like okay Um, (laughs) so so, Georgie's three and Georgie is a total girl she plays with Barbies, and when they when her Barbies are talking... I love to listen in when she's playing with her Barbies. And Hello, honey. How are you? Oh, hello, my darling. Darling and honey are her two words that they call each other. It's like so girly. And um, she loves to get her nails done, and she loves to wear jewelry, and she is obsessed with dresses. She will only wear dresses. And she's in this thing right now, Total Queen. And she's in this thing right now where... Uh, uh, she has to wear a dress that swirls. And, the, and when she puts a dress on in the morning, uh, she'll go like this, you know, stand in front of her mirror, and put her foot like that, and she'll go. <laughs> and she looks down and makes sure that the dress swirls. I was FaceTiming my mom and my sister and Georgie a couple of weeks ago, and they were up in Canada, and my mom had thrifted a bunch of dresses for Georgie, and my mom's this uh, uh, seamstress. And so mom, you know, a bunch of them... Um, had pins in them, and so Georgie's, you know, swirling them, and my mom knows where to make them, you know, to cut them, whatever. And one, you know, had the pins in it, but the pins were too low, and so Georgie puts the dress on, and, you know, she's like this, and I'm facing, and we're watching, and she, she tries to make it swirl, and it wouldn't swirl, and she started to bawl her eyes out. She's bawling her eyes out, and so we had to, they the get the dress off of her and put another dress on her that swirls, and she, <laughs> you know. <laughs> That's a Christian Buddhist. Like, when, when, when the Bible doesn't swirl for them, like, get it off me. Get it out of the it it's, it's, all, it's all about Georgie. It's all about her little journey of dresses. Georgie doesn't know me accurately. You know, like, I, 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 I'm the uncle who hooks her up with Krispy Kreme donuts, Barbie's. And chocolate. I might as well be Willy Wonka. She doesn't care to know me accurately. It's all—it's her world. You hear me? She's a Christian Buddhist. (laughs) You know, and all of her. Her, mis- her, her, her behavior, her bad behavior, you know, is, it's kind of celebrated at this point. You know what I mean? Like, oh, look at she's being rude. Oh. <laughs> you know, oh, I'm cute. You know, no matter what I do, this, that's just not reality. She just doesn't realize that we tolerate it because she's three. You know what I'm saying? And there's stages of our spiritual development that God's just like, that's, you know, okay, it's annoying, but I'll, I'll let it slide. <laughs> you hearing me but that's that's not going to be how how it is because i want you to to grow into maturity into into manhood into womanhood the father is looking for people that will worship him in spirit and in truth so let's look at my thesis we're gonna we're gonna look at the darkness here we're gonna look at some passages of scripture that might be troubling for you but just sit relax And I promise it's going to end on a good note. Okay? Here we go. Uh, Genesis 4. We're going to start at the first worship service in the Bible. Okay? Which ends in disaster. In the course of time, Cain Cain is the first Christian Buddhist. In the course of time, Cain brought to the Lord an offering. An offering of the fruit of the ground. And Abel also brought of the firstborn, okay, of his flock, the first thing that came from his flock, the, the, the best, and of their fat portions, which is ancient Near Eastern speak for the good stuff, okay, not just like, there's this repetitive theme in the New Testament where God's like, don't bring lame animals to me, uh, make sure that there's salt, in, your, in your, your offerings. You know, like when you give me a grain offering, make sure there's salt in there. You know what I mean? Like, like that somebody would eat it. Don't give me something that you wouldn't even eat. You hearing me? There better be salt in this covenant. It's a covenant of salt because I'm going to give you flavor, baby. But I'm expecting that back. You hear me? Okay. And the Lord had regard for Abel and his offering, of course, because Abel is obviously present in this offering. And he's going, God, I want to give you something awesome and something good, something that I wouldn't want to get. But for Cain and his offering, he had no regard. So Cain was very angry because he was a Christian Buddhist and his face fell and because the dress wouldn't swirl. <laughs> the Lord said to Cain, Why are you angry? And why has your face fallen? You know, <laughs> you're pouting, you know? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. Its desire is contrary to you, but you must rule over it. As in, like, get your life together, bro. Like, it's not all about you. And that's a sin to, to, to de-center God and center yourself. That, in fact, that's the root of sin. Is not recognize God as creator. Romans chapter 1. What was the root of all of the sin? They exchanged the truth about God for a lie, and 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 served the creature rather than the created. Right. Cain spoke to Abel his brother, and when they were in the field, Cain rose up against his brother Abel and killed him. First worship service: a dude dies. Right? Failure at the altar, death in the field. Okay. Next passage: Leviticus ten we got another pair of brothers, Nadab and Abihu. It's their first day of being, being priests. The blood of ordination is drying on their right ear and their right thumb and their right big toe. And first day on the job, and they grab their censers, and they offer to the Lord unauthorized fire before the Lord, which he had not commanded them. So they presume, assume, and speculate upon what God wants and how they can act around him and be around him as priests. Right? And fire came up from before the lord and consumed them and made them (laughs) chick-fil-a right and they died before the lord okay next passage you got david david's a good guy great intentions he wants to bring the ark of the covenant back into israel the ark of the covenant is god's resting place um, it's an important box. It's overladen with gold, and there's the two cherubim there. And wherever the ark is, you know God is there. And David wants the presence of God because he loves God, and he wants the ark to be in their midst. And da 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 da. So David's bringing the house, the, the ark back uh, into uh, that was it's recaptured by the Philistines. And David and all the house of Israel were celebrating before the Lord, and they got the songs and they got the electric guitars and drums. And when they came to the threshing floor of Nacon, Uzzah, who is a priest. Uh, put his, out his hand to the Ark of God and took hold of it for the ox and stumbled. Okay, so Uzzah's a bad priest. The reason he's a bad priest is because he knows how the Ark of God is supposed to be carried with exactly the way that God has prescribed it. And the way that God's prespri- prescribed it is with dignity and respect. This dude thought it would be a good idea to put it in the equivalent of a flat old flatbed truck like a Ford F-150. You have to just back that up, George. Yeah, we're going to put this Ark on the back. You know, like, dude, I wouldn't even put a TV that I cared about in the back of a Ford F-150. You know what I'm saying? Much less a golden box with God's presence. You know what I mean? Like, hello, right? And God's just like, you guys are completely disrespecting me. This is insanity. And so the Ark, the oxen stumble, and Uzzah's like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, One of the cords is breaking, you know, like tries to stop it. And God's just like, (laughs) sorry, dude, this is ridiculous. This is redonkulous. (laughs) I'm God. Are you kidding me? All right. Next passage. This is a little bit later. David summoned the priests Zadok and Abiathar and the Levites Uh, And said to them, you are the heads of the fathers, houses of the Levites. Consecrate yourselves, you and your brothers, so that you may bring up the ark of the Lord, the God of Israel, to the place that I have prepared for it. Because you did not carry it the first time. The Lord our God broke out against us because we did not seek him according to the rule. Um, And so what these guys end up doing is they end up carrying the, the, the ark of God. The Levites carried the ark of God on their shoulders with poles as Moses had commanded. Watch this. According to the word of the Lord. So, hey, like, I have, I'm I'm a person. I have preferences. You know, if you had a dignitary here, you would at least have a green room for them and maybe carry them around. Like, I'm a king. I deserve a bit of respect. Show some self-consciousness. Right? Show a bit of humility. Instead, you assume, you presume, and speculate, and you expect there to be blessing in life? No, the opposite's going to happen. Yikes. It gets worse. Next passage. <laughs> the next passage um, in Chronicles. Uh, this is Uzziah. Uzziah is a king in Jerusalem. <clears throat> and um, this is the Uzziah that we read about in the opening chapters of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is this prophet. And it says, In the year that Uzziah died, I saw the Lord seated on his throne exalted and the train of his robe filled the temple with glory right isaiah sees god and he hits the deck and he's like oh boy you know i i this is bad i'm unholy and god's like sweet i love that you're showing some self-consciousness and you know and and you know god's like you want to help me and he's like no i, want, I don't want to help you because i'm a man with a potty mouth and god's like cool and he sends an angel that takes a coal from the altar and touches Isaiah's lips and cleanses his lips. Right? So Isaiah confess, admits that, hey, I'm unholy. And God's like, you're good. You're actually holy. I just need you to show some self some humility. You hear me? Yeah. Just recognize the difference between who I am and who you are. Yeah. That's sweet. You know, <laughs> pound it fist bump Uzziah has a completely different reaction and that's why Isaiah is going to mention this because these stories are juxtaposed to one another Isaiah is different than Uzziah Uzziah when he was strong he was a great military commander and God gave him a ton of victories he grew proud to his destruction because obviously at the end of the day pride is the root of Christian Buddhism Right, it's the, that's the that's Satan's issue. It was pride, right? He's on Satan is on a spiritual journey. You hearing me? He's deconstructing, you know, twisting God's word. Adding to God's word, doubting God's word, causing other people to twist and distort God's word, misrepresenting God's word, projecting onto God what God is like when it's actually not the truth. God is not like that. God is exactly what his word says he's like. It's okay to have doubts. It's okay to get better. You know you know what a, a great word for getting better theology is? Learning you hearing me we're all doing that we all want to be better at understanding the Word of God and it's okay to have questions Jesus wasn't intimidated by Thomas's doubts okay but there's a difference between passive doubt and active unbelief huge difference Uzziah when he got strong He grew proud of his destruction, for he was unfaithful to the Lord his God, and entered the temple of the Lord to burn incense on the altar of incense. But Azariah the priest went in after him with eighty priests of the Lord who were men of valor. And they withstood King Uzziah and said to him, It is not for you, Uzziah, to burn incense to the Lord, but for the priests, the sons of Aaron, who are consecrated to burn incense. Go out of the sanctuary, for you have done wrong, and it will bring you no honor from the Lord God. Then Uzziah was angry. Now he had a censer in his hand to burn incense. And when he became angry with the priests, leprosy broke out on his forehead in the presence of the priests, in the house of the Lord by the altar of incense. And Azariah, the chief priest, and all the priests looked at him, and behold, he was leprous in his forehead. And they rushed him out quickly, and he himself hurried to go out, because the Lord had struck him. And King Uzziah was a leper for the day, uh, to the day of his death, and being a leper, lived in a separate house, for he was excluded from the house of the Lord. Death at the altar. Assume, presume, speculate from pride. I can do whatever I want. No, yet yeah, you kinda can't. You know, there's a way to worship the Lord and God's looking for worshipers that will worship him in the spirit and in truth, and it's not safe for you to speculate that way. All right. We've been talking about the Old Testament, and some of you are folding your arms and you're going, Look, I don't like the Old Testament. Firstly, I have a philosophical issue with that because the Old Testament was Jesus' Bible and the, new, the, old, the early church's Bible and it's your Bible. But, but, but aside, aside from that, that misnomer, let's look at some deaths at an altar in the New Testament for fun. Let's, we'll just do that for fun. Okay, Acts chapter 5, Ananias and Sapphira. I mean, there it is. You know, oh yeah, Old Testament God, is, it's, like bad, it's like good cop, bad cop. So like Old Testament God, he's kind of like angry all the time, but like Jesus, he's sweet. He's a, my desperate boyfriend. Nope, new. No, no de- Acts chapter five, no, they're dropping like flies. <laughs> these, these people come to church and they lie to the Holy Spirit. And Ananias drops dead. And then a couple hours later, his wife drops dead. Death at a worship service. Let's look at this, next, this, this last um, fiasco. And this is at, at a church, this is actually at, this is the clearest New Testament look that we have at a church. It's like a, 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 a bird's eye view or pulling, pulling the drapes back at a, a, a local church service. In 1 Corinthians 10, we're just going to set up 1 Corinthians 11 where we're, we're going to end. Uh, but 1 Corinthians, 11, uh, 1 Corinthians 10 here, Paul calls the, the communion cup the cup of blessing. Okay, it's a cup of blessing. And the reason why it's a cup of blessing is, is because it is a participation in the blood of Christ. Like the blood of Christ is sick. It cleanses you from all unrighteousness, right? Like it's healing. There's life in the blood. Right, it's powerful—the the blood, the wonder-working power in the blood. Right, and then uh, the bread is amazing because it is a participation in the body of Christ. All right, just go back to that verse uh, really quickly. First Corinthians ten, there we go. It's a participation in the body of Christ—the bread that we break. Okay, so when you are eating and drinking the Eucharist, the Communion, you are eating and drinking spiritual and physical blessing into your life. Right? Because our spiritual experience is not a, this, I mean, we worship, we, it's physical, it's holistic, it's, it's fully integrated. You hearing me? It's a fully integrated experience. If it wasn't, then we wouldn't do good works. You know what I'm saying? Like there wouldn't be any sort of ethic or morality. No, it's full integration. Right there isn't like some sort of Greek Neoplatonic division in terms of you know our spirituality and our material. No, Christianity is a fully integrated psychosomatic reality. Okay, 1 Corinthians eleven. Paul opens up this passage and he says, "You're the worst church ever." He says it, it's. He says verbatim. He says it's worse when you gather. <laughs> Imagine that. I've never been to a church where it was worse. This church was worse, and we'll see in a moment why it's worse. It's worse because people are, the, tu- the cup of blessing is turning into something else. Okay? Watch this. When you come together, it's not the Lord's Supper that you eat. No, because it was the Lord's Supper, there would be life spiritually and physically. Okay? For in eating, each one goes ahead with his own meal. One goes hungry and another gets drunk. Getting drunk at church, that's a new one. Okay. so early church looked like this people didn't have a huge gathering and so they would gather at somebody's house and they'd, they'd have a potluck the potluck was called the love feast and after the love feast after the potluck they would get to the bread and the wine and they'd say hey guys that was a great meal but we're not here just for a casual meal we're here to celebrate jesus and so be, they would rehearse his, his death, his burial, his resurrection, and, the thing, and they, they're eating. And as they eat, Jesus is there. He shows up. The presence of the Holy Spirit shows up powerfully, and they begin to minister to one another prophetically. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, uh, you know, just the, the Holy Spirit ministering, body ministry. Then they would sing, uh, have a worship time, and then there would be teaching at the end, Okay now the 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 rich were the ones that would bring the food obviously because the poor didn't have any food to bring but problematically the culture is leaking into the church and the rich who brought everything go first they stuff themselves they drink all the wine (laughs) right the dude's like ham buckled up there singing 99 bottles of beer on the wall (laughs) right and um and so paul goes what Right? Like, imagine pastoring a church like that. That's awesome. What? Like, do you not have houses to eat and drink in? As in, you want to do that? You want to go Super Bowl Sunday? Do that at home. You know what I'm saying? There's a time and a place for Super Bowl Sunday. It's not here. You know? Uh, Or do you despise the church of God and humiliate those who have nothing? As in, they're making church all about themselves. Christian Buddhists make their spiritual journey all about themselves. Doesn't matter what God says. It's not about other people. It's all about them and what they think. I could never serve a God who sends people to hell. Oh, really? Wow. Oh, you're more merciful than God. And His Word doesn't matter. Well, I can find a scripture that says it there. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can find a scripture to say pretty much anything you want. Satan does that. right Satan quoted scripture to Jesus three times out of context Jesus quoted scripture back to Satan three times in context it's God's word when it's in context it's your words when you're manipulating it twisting it for your own purposes to satisfy your cultural inclinations right you've been formed you know I could never worship a God because uh, you know it's not popular Because it just seems wrong. Well, what do we, you're 21. How do you know what's right? How are you now the judge of the God Almighty, creator of heaven and earth? You're 21, dude. Show a little humility. Maybe when you're reading scripture and something bothers you, assume that God is right and you're wrong. There are things in scripture that tick me off. <laughs> but I got to go, God, I'm I'm not you. Let God be true and every man a liar, including myself. And I have to trust that you actually you care about me. Yeah. And what you say in here it's good. And it's for my good. I gotta trust. I gotta trust your heart, and tr- trust that what you've written here is for my good. You care about my human flourishing. You're not trying to frustrate me. You're trying to bless me. You know me better than I know myself. I don't know what's good for me. You know what's good for me. God, I'm I'm unholy. Uh, Thank you for that self-consciousness. Here's the call. What shall I say to you? Shall I commend you in this? No, I will not. Whoever therefore eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner. Remember contextually here. What is it eating of the Lord in an unworthy manner? It's when you're making church all about yourself, your, your spiritual journey all about yourself and you completely disregard who God is. You're not worshiping in spirit and in truth presuming, assuming, speculating will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord as in now that cup of blessing is turned into a cup of judgment. Let a person examine himself then and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup for anyone who eats and drinks without discerning the body eats and drinks judgment on himself. That's scary. That's cut the, total, the whole point. Paul, as an apostle, is rebuking them. Watch this next verse. This is why many of you are weak and ill, and some have died. But if we judged ourselves truly, as in the way Isaiah did, Isaiah judged himself. Ooh, I'm unholy. <laughs> then we would not be judged. But when we are judged by the Lord, we are disciplined so that we may not be condemned along with the world. So there's different judgment in the church. For example, Ananias and Sapphira, I don't believe that they went to hell condemned with the world. God was just, he's your, their parent, and he judged them. So there's, there's condemnation in judgment, and then there's discipline, and there's retributive justice, and then there's restorative justice. And so Ananias and Sapphira, even though they, were, they died, it was kind of like God going, yeah, that's not going to work. timeout. Do you know what I'm saying? It's a restorative judgment. This isn't, this isn't real life. The eternity's real life. In light of that, we need to understand the justice of God and the judgment of God. But God is a perfect judge. He judges perfectly. He's more merciful than anybody on the planet. And when he makes a judgment call, it's perfect. He is absolutely vindicated, and we can know that because he's absolutely holy. And his holiness is about his absolute moral perfection. This next passage, Hebrews 12. So this is the posture that we need to have. I'm going to end with this passage. This is the posture that we need to have. The posture that we need when we come to church is let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. As in God, thank you. Lord, thank you. I do not deserve to be here. I do not deserve to be here. I am unholy. Now, I have been sanctified by the blood of Jesus. I have been brought, you who are afar, I've been brought close by his blood. Lord, I thank you for a righteousness that's not my own. Lord, I thank you that you've brought me, you know, and you've you've counted me worthy. And Lord, I thank you that you're the one who began the good work in me, and you're the one who's going to finish that good work in me, and you're going to perfect that which concerns me, and you know all of my problems, and you still love me, and you're working on me graciously and continually, and Lord, I yield to that work, but I'm just so grateful. There's this moment in the Mass, um, any ex-Catholics here? Any? There's like five of you. Come on, there's more ex-Catholics than that, okay? Y'all maybe remember in the Mass, uh, I'm catholic family you know like my parents i know know all all about catholicism there's this beautiful part the mass i absolutely love it the priest has the eucharist and the whole church repeats with him lord i'm not worthy that you should enter my home it's a gospel reading lord i'm not worthy that you should enter my home you're holding the bread only say the word and your servant will be healed that's the perfect posture god i'm not worthy that you should enter my home as in I'm not some cute, you, you love me because I'm cute like God's love is sentimentality it is not God's love is holy yeah. and he loves you like I said in the beginning you're worse than you think but you're more loved than you can ever imagine you know and so his love is not sentimentality but his love is going, it's, it's fixed it's a fixed reality that in spite of your worst you know, while we were still sinners Christ died for the ungodly So our response to that love is, Lord, I I am unholy. It's a a response to reality. It's, It's truth. Lord, I'm just grateful. Thank you for saving me. And let's offer up to God acceptable worship. Worship that's acceptable to him. Worship that is truthful. Worship that he's asked for not something that you're mailing in something that you don't giving him things that you don't care about you know it's always Isaac's that go up the mountain you know Isaac the son of promise the one that Abraham had been waiting for forever he doesn't ask for Ishmael you know the side project he asks for the main project God always asks for bring Isaac up uh that's what I care about. Yeah, I know. That's why I'm asking for it. Acceptable worship. <laughs> With reverence and awe. Why reverence and awe? Because God's a consuming fire. And this needs to temper our theology of God's love and grace. Is God love? Yes. I mean you can find you don't need the New Testament for that. Just read Psalm 103. He's slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and mercy. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed my transgression from me. He won't always chide. His anger is but a moment. His favor is a lifetime. That's who God is. But he's holy. And he's a king. And I need to reverence him. And reverence doesn't mean take your hat off in church. It means, God, I, I tremble at your word. And I respect, I respect you and I honor you. I'm not scared of fire. I've never been scared of fire because I respect fire. My dad told me about fire. You know, he's like, if you touch it, it'll burn you. Yeah, if you touch don't so don't mess with it, don't play with it, respect it. And, when, and so I never, I'm not scared of it because I, I respect it. In the same way, you don't need to be scared of God. Some of you, are, maybe if you're getting the wrong of this message. This message isn't about being scared of God because sometimes he kills people. That's not, that's, not this, that's not the takeaway today. The takeaway is that we serve a holy God who's a consuming fire and he's safe. So there's benefits of the fire. There's benefits of his warmth and his light and his power. You hearing me? Um, but you need to respect and reverence and awe. And that is worshipping him in spirit and in truth. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for your word. Father, we love your word. We tremble at your word. We're not scared of you because you don't want us to be scared of you. You're our father. Uh, but as a good father, like even like our earthly fathers, we recognize that tension of you know, you love us and we're a little, we're a little scared <laughs> in that sense God I ask you that our church and our churches and our generation would recover this truth that we would recover reverence and awe Lord that we would be people who put your word first God I ask you that you'd forgive us if there's been places in our life where we've been making Christianity serving you all about us all on our terms. All about, you know, what we can get out of it. Lord, forgive us for being people who are just trying to hit you up for Krispy Kreme. You know, or projecting onto you. You know, that you're this way or that way. And even in some ways, misrepresenting what you're really like to the world. Forgive us, Lord. Thank you that you're patient with us. And and we follow you so imperfectly. We follow you so imperfectly. And you're okay with that. But you're looking for, you're just looking for humility. You're just looking for for, for people who know, yeah, I, I'm not you. I'm unholy. And I want, and I need you, God. Lord, we need the cup of blessing. We need your grace into our life. We need, you know, I just feel moved right now to pray for anybody who's sick. Anybody who's sick right now. Because you're in the presence of Jesus. And, you know, Jesus was wounded for our transgressions, and uh, by His stripes we're healed. If you're sick today, well, why don't you just lift your hand to the Lord and go, "Yeah, I'm sick, and you know I just need to re- receive a touch uh, from from Jesus." Father, I thank you right now. Just it's not, you're not lifting your hand to me; you're lifting it to the Lord. Just just to receive. Just kind of make like a hand to receive. God, we receive your healing right now. Father, we thank you for your presence. We're here. We're thankful, Jesus, that you're here to heal right now. We thank you, Lord, that we see, we receive it. If you need some forgiveness, I'm not going to ask you to put your hand up, but if you need the mercy of God in your life right now, receive it right now. Just go, God, I'm a sinner, and I need your mercy. I need your grace. If you need grace in your life, the power of God that's able to transform you, it's God's energy towards you so that you can live a triumphant life. Just receive it right now in Jesus' name. God, I need your grace. I receive your grace right now. Lord, I'm a sinner. I'm not worthy that you should enter my home. Only say the word, that word that you spoke the worlds into existence, that powerful authoritative word. Speak that word right now, God, into our situations. Lord, into our sickness. Father, into our brokenness into our rebellion, speak your word, God. Lord, we receive your word right now in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you that there's provision in the blood of Jesus. We thank you that there's provision at the cross right now for the things that we have need of, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your presence. Lord, if we've been been on a path that has been a path where it's not questions, but it's beginning to become divergent and it's beginning to become self-centered and, and it's not guided by your word, it's guided by our own earthly desires. We're, try, we're basically trying to create a religion in, in which all of the parts of us fit. We ask for your forgiveness and we ask for your grace Lord let, let your grace come to us to be continually repentant to be continually just coming back to your word and going Lord this is your word this is your word this is who you are thank you Jesus is there somebody here with like a, a right knee problem right knee problem. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just thank you for your healing. Thank you for your healing, Lord. I ask you that you would heal in Jesus' name. That that knee. Is there somebody here with a gallbladder problem? Gallbladder inflammation? Father, thank you for your healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Jesus. There's somebody here, I'm going to be done, I'm going to hand the service over to Alex. There's somebody here, and this message has really spoken to you, and if we had a conversation afterwards, I'm going to run to the airport, and I'm going to fly home to my wife, <laughs> um, she, and they're going to surprise her. She doesn't know that I'm coming home. Um, I was supposed to go home tomorrow, but um, I'm going to run home. But if we had a conversation after, if we had a conversation after this service, and um, you would come up to me and you'd go, Nate, I have been going down a path in my faith uh, where, you know, I don't even know if I believe anymore. And it's not like, you know, you're Thomas and you have proximity to Jesus. It's, at a, it's becoming it's an unraveling it's an unraveling of your faith where you don't know if you believe in the scriptures anymore you don't know if you believe in God anymore in um, this message you sense the Holy Spirit really convicting you and calling you back to confessional Christianity which is where you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth some stuff that you can't even necessarily prove but you just it's that's what it is, is you're, you're putting your trust in somebody and you're putting your trust in Jesus and his words. It's not just Jesus as some metaphysical idea and then divorced from his words that are recorded in scripture by his friends and eyewitnesses. You, you, The Holy Spirit's calling you back to confessional Christianity where you love Jesus and his words. If that's you, and I'm not asking you to put your hand up, but if that's you, I'm asking you to connect with either Adam pastor alex or pastor diana or philip because i believe that the holy spirit wants to really reveal himself to you like god wants to reveal himself to you in a powerful way you need a a truth encounter which i believe you've had today but you need a power encounter just a fresh encounter with the holy spirit thank you jesus
0: Church, why don't we stand up? Why don't we stand up and worship together? Come on, all to Jesus I surrender. All to him I freely give. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. We don't deserve it. We can't earn it. You're a holy God. You're an awesome God. And in that holy love, you've decided to come close to us. For that, we're forever grateful. For that, we are forever surrendering to you. We repent today, God. We repent if we've made this all about us. We repent if we've made the word all about us. If we've served you or given you worship however we want. want to give you the best because you deserve the best we give you the best because you've given us every breath that we take every day that we live is a gift from you and so we're sorry we repent forgive us today and help us to be grateful for this presence for the fire that leads us for the fire that warms us, for the fire that purifies us. We give you all of the honor, all of the glory today. It all belongs to you. When eyes closed and head bowed, if you're here today and you don't know God, you feel far from God, you just heard one of the best messages ever on God's holiness and how we're all sinners and we need him. If you're in here today you're saying, I need a relationship with God. I know I've sinned, I've done wrong, thought wrong. The Bible says all of us have. There's not one perfect person in this place, but God in his infinite love sent Jesus. Jesus grabbed my sin, your sin. The Bible says he took it upon his shoulders, went up on a cross and Jesus died for the sins of the world. He went down to a grave, he was dead for three days, but after three days, Jesus Christ, he resurrected. He died for our sin, and he resurrected so that we would have new life. Today, if you're saying, Alex, I need forgiveness, and I need a brand new beginning, I need a brand new new start, I'm tired of the way I'm living, I'm tired. I'm tired of choosing my own way, I'm tired of continuing to run into trouble, and maybe you got some shame in your life, you've done some stuff that nobody knows about, can I tell you, there's healing, there's forgiveness, and there's freedom today. With eyes closed and head bowed, if you're in here, I'm going to count to three of you. If you're saying, I need Jesus, I need forgiveness, I want a relationship with God. At the count of three, can you raise your hand? Nobody looking around in a moment of prayer, in a moment of privacy. At the count of three, you raise it up. I just want to see who I'm praying for. Then you can put it right back down. One, two, three. Raise your hand. Wherever you're at, raise your hand. God God bless you. 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 Amazing. God bless you. Awesome, you can put your hands back down. I'm going to say a simple prayer. This prayer doesn't save anybody as far as because I said it, but it's putting our faith and our trust in Jesus. In fact, all of us together as one big family, we're going to repeat it out loud. We're saying this prayer with you. Come on, repeat after me. Say, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this opportunity. I admit that I'm a sinner and that my sin separates me from you. Jesus, Jesus, Come into my life, be my Lord, and be my Savior. From today on, I'm healed, I'm forgiven, and I'm saved, in Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Hey, some hands went up in the auditorium, and if you're watching online, and you made that decision as well, outside we got tents for Connect Groups, we also have a tent for New Christians, and if you raise your hand, We want to gift you a new Bible. Make sure you pass by there and see them. This Bible is absolutely free for you, so make sure you pick it up. Thank you, JP. Anybody thankful for Nathan's life? Beautiful. What a beautiful message on God's holiness. Kind of wild. You can look at some dark scripture and then appreciate God so much more. His mercy and his grace. What a gift. He's anointed. Can can you pray for him? Can we commit to pray for him, pray for him and his wife? What he's taken on is huge. Subscribe to Theo's University. It's the best Bible college online. It's just phenomenal. And it's super cheap. He's made it available. I love that he wants to teach scripture to this young generation. I love his reverence of scripture. I love his awe of scripture. And I love how he doesn't cut corners with it. And I think we need that back. Because God is a consuming fire. And so we thank God for Nathan's life. Next week, we start the book of Acts. It's going to be awesome, and uh, I can't wait. Bring somebody with you. It's going to be awesome. I think, can we sing that song again? All to Jesus, I surrender. Love you, church. pray you have an incredible Sunday. Let's leave out of here worshiping. Jesus, we love you. Jesus, we give you all the glory, all the honor. Thank you for your sacrifice on the cross. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your love. Hallelujah. To you be all the glory. To you, we surrender our lives. For you, we will live. For you, God, will serve you all the days of our life. We love you. We thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, all to Jesus,
1: I surrender.